0: Hi, I'm Zoe Miguel Nixon, and today we'll be talking about Panic at the Disco. Hello, if this is your first time joining me, the Pop Culture Vapors is where I look back at papers I wrote when I was consuming pop culture for classes, reflecting on those times and the art, and talk about what has changed. So, welcome back everybody. Uh thanks again for joining me to update you l- since last week's uh episode. 5 seconds of summer still rules life. <laughs> I had a lot of 17-year-old feelings come back and might have pulled a hamstring during. She looks so perfect, but really had a great time just beaming at them for 2 hours. Um to also tie it back to last week's episode, we're talking about a band I mentioned briefly. On it, uh, Panic at the Disco. So, this one's for the recovering, reformed, retired, elder, all of the above <laughs> emo kits. And this was an episode I was honestly contemplating because I was like, Have we had enough of a Panic at the Disco in the past couple years? And I thought my answer was yes. And then they started releasing stuff, which I will talk about at the end of the episode. But for context, uh, we will sp- be specifically talking about, but it's better if you do the music video from their debut album, as this was another pop culture portrayal for my dark side of interpersonal Calm class, and we were on the topic of deception that week. So let's get started. Since this band has existed for 18 years now, we will going to be doing a brief history of the band. So panic at the disco. Formed in Summerlin, Las Vegas, in Nevada in 2004, starting with Ryan Ross, Spencer Smith, Brent Wilson, and Brendan Urie joining as the last member, who soon took over as lead singer. They started as a Blink 182 cover band, as a fun fact. After connecting through Live Journal, Pete Wentz of Fallout Boy signs them to their Decay Dance Records imprint, a label on Spilled by Ramen. They released their debut album A Fever You Can't Sweat Out on September 27, 2005, having unique space for themselves in the genre. So after the rapid success of this first album, especially *Irate Sins Not Tragedies, the band releases Pretty Odd as their follow-up in 2008, splitting audiences for its much more mellow sound. By the third album, Vices and Virtues, the lineup has changed, leaving only Brendan Urie and Spencer Smith as the original members. The fourth album, Too Weird to Live, Too Rare to Die, releases in 2013, and with another line of change with Brendan Urie and Down with Weeks left in the band. On to the fifth album, Death of a Bachelor, which was released on January 15, 2016, and by this time, Panic! is now a Brendan Urie solo project. Here's where I'll pause, since this brings up 2017, and when I wrote this in March. I was a very late-stage evil kid, as I've probably said here before, and took my liking to panic at the disco in the death of a bachelor era, which is very late, I know. I have the distinct memory of walking back from a hard campus meeting to my dorm, the night Victorious was released, and being so stoked on it. During this era, I saw panic three times, once with Weezer and Andrew McMahon, which is honestly a dream lineup for me, then at the iHeart Daytime Village Festival, Kaboo, and then one last time at the observatory introducing the Pray for the Wicked era. My siblings and I were in the middle of our panic and fallout boy phase, so this was something we shared. And without further ado, here's pop culture portrayal deceptions. In Panic at the Disco's music video for their song But It's Better If You Do, the lead singer Brendon Urie leaves his wife at home in the beginning scene after she accuses him of not loving her anymore and going to illegal strip clubs with his friends. He claims he's going to work to pay for their apartment and tells her not to wait up for him through the scene and the rest of the music video it is clear he's engaging in deception. This is not a difficult concept to grasp so we're just gonna keep going. (laughs) Brendan saying he's working is a combination of masks and unlies for context. Unlies is one of those communication terms that's kind of made up. It's in our textbooks, but the definition you cannot find online. So I'm going to define it slightly for us and say it's just like lies of omission basically, or not telling complete truths or masking a truth. He represents where he works, example, not in strip clubs, by saying he's not going to Quote unquote, illegal clubs, even though that's exactly where his band plays. He conceals his club going as work, even though he does fraternize with a dancer. Lastly, he distorts the truth by implying that if he doesn't do what he does, he can't pay for their apartment, which incites guilt in his wife, allowing him to leave. The concealment could be seen as the red herring of the situation, as the audience isn't sure if his wife knows what he does for a living, but surely he will not tell her he's somewhere he shouldn't be as the era of this music video suggests. (laughs) With all that being said, he does omit quite a bit of information that would appease his wife. He doesn't state where he's going, who he's with, what he'll be doing, because besides vaguely saying quote-unquote work, or why she doesn't have to wait for him to get home. She doesn't ask for this information, but with her assumption of his attending strip clubs and him not saying where he is going and not even bothering to falsify information are lies of omission coming from him. She was also less likely to scrutinize his responses due to the intimate nature of their relationship and fear that he didn't love her anymore. And that's the end of the paper. Um I rewatched his music video this morning and it's clear that she's also engaging in deception by pointing the finger at him and then also being in the same club. um, so that's fun. i forgot how fun early or mid-2000s music videos were. i also used the term red herring incorrectly. i think i just meant red flag, but you know what? my professor did not Check me on that, so that's totally fine. What has changed since 2017? Panic released Pray for the Wicked and its lead to High Hopes, and thanks to massive overexposure, it dethroned I Rates and Not Tragedies as their most popular song. But you will not catch that song being played at an emo night, so you know what? I Rates and Not Tragedies still is superior on june 1st of this year panic released a new single viva las vengeance which will also be the name of their new album being released on august 19th of this year alongside a huge headlining tour which i may be attending mostly for jake wesley rogers who i highly recommend and actually listened to the song and music video today and it was definitely feels like a fun return to form that might have me listening to the new album in full when it is out as for me, no real updates, as you've heard me retell this part of my life a few times. But thanks for listening. Now Please rate, review, and subscribe on everywhere you listen to podcasts. Big thank you to Mandala for letting me use she Don't Mind as their theme, as my theme song. Uh, written edited and artwork by me you can find us on instagram at pop culture papers and on twitter at pop culture paper and again if you're interested in reading these papers with their full sets of references i have been updating the drive a bit so you could check them out on there i'll see you next week as we live to write another day bye and it's